Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of uh, the book of Luke, chapter ten, begin with verse number thirteen. This morning, I heard uh, I heard all of you the, this week. You know, we preached the sermon uh, last uh, last Sunday entitled uh, "Time to Go Outside," and uh, I heard a lot of you this week say, "Well, I don't want to go outside." You know, a lot of times you wake up in the morning. I know uh, yesterday when it was uh, when it was when it was a uh, dreary and uh, that wind was blowing, but I, I didn't even want to go outside. And uh, there are certain times, you know, just uh, we don't want to go outside. And even when we talk about what the Lord has called us to do, we don't want to step out and we don't want to go outside. And apparently, Jesus knew uh, that about uh, the times and the seasons of our life and knew how we would be. Or maybe it was just that, you know, we're no different than the people that Jesus was encountered with because he gives to us a message right after he's called us to go outside, a message to those of us who say in our hearts, you know what, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to do what it is that the Lord has called me to do. I just don't want to follow and allow God to use my heart and my life. I don't want to obey. So as we read these words together in, uh, in Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse number 13, let's remember what Jesus has to say for those who choose to not to go outside, but also we see what he has to say for those of us who find the courage in our faith to trust in Christ and do what it is that he's called us to do. So let's read together in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to begin with verse number 13. It says, Woe to you, uh, Chesarim! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works that had done, that had been done in you and Tyre and Sidium, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidium than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven, for shall be brought down to Hades. And, um, and the one whose hearts uh, that hear to me, and the one who rejects you, I mean, um, hold on, flip, uh, rejoice in your names. And re- uh, Man, this thing's flipping all over the place. All right, um, uh, will be written in Hades. It says, the one who hears... Uh, Uh, The one who hears you uh, hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. And the 72 returned uh, with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us uh, in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority uh, to tread on on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In the same hour, he, uh, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such are you, is your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, And no one knows the Son except for the Father, or the Father except for the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then returning to His disciples, He said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Jesus talks about those people. 
all those places that he went and did those miraculous things. But yet they didn't want to go outside. They rejected him and didn't want to follow him. But the message that Jesus Christ has for those who have rejected them and those who reject him now. And for us and our unwillingness sometimes to follow him, he has a message for us. If we choose not to go outside, and that is this, you're just missing out. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Lord, I just thank you for the many things that you've blessed us with. Lord, I just thank you for the calling that you've given us on each of our lives. Lord, I just pray that as all of us search our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, we'll ask ourselves, Lord, are we being the ones that you've called us to be? Lord, are we doing the things that you've called us to do? But Lord, as we think about hesitating or going forward, Lord, we read these words this morning and see what joy we have when we follow you and what we miss out when we don't. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus began these verses. He's talking to these, these cities, these cities like Capernaum and Bethsaida and all those cities of Galilee to which he went and to which he, uh, to which he preached. And he, he sort of proclaimed a judgment upon you, a judgment upon them. He sort of gave them somewhat of a curse. He said, you know what? If cities that were far off like Tyre and, uh, and Sidium, if they had seen those things, if they'd actually got to see those miracles that I've done in their cities, man, they would have repented, but your hearts are hardened. And so you're not repenting. And, um, and since you have not repented, it's going to be more difficult on you in the time of judgment because you're going to be people to see as you stand before God and said, man, I got to experience in him in a mighty and powerful way. I got to see him do miracles. I got to see Jesus personally for my own self, and yet I have rejected him. And you just think about standing in judgment that day, thinking about how you knew, thinking about all the chances that you had to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and yet you didn't. And just imagine that burning in your heart for all e eternity. And that's what Jesus wants them to say. And we can't read these verses without thinking about the state that we live right here, right now, and today, where we're just sort of saturated, where even people who may not even step inside the doors of a church or around here know something about Jesus, know something about God, may have access to a Bible, may have plenty in their house, but yet have not responded to his call. And just think about how much they're saturated with the truth of knowledge, but yet they have not responded. And maybe you have not responded. But the message he wants to give us is not for us to think about the negativity, about what happens when we don't respond, about what sort of judgment we're going to experience, but he wants us to understand the joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The joy of knowing what it means, what it means for God to be used through you. I mean, for God to be uh, working through you. And he wants us to think about that. And he says, I want to think about all these people who don't follow Jesus. All those people who aren't following his voice in their life. He says, I want you to understand they're just missing out. Because he tells us about as he's done delivered this message, here comes the 72. You remember the, the, the 72 we sent out last, uh, last week and uh, that Jesus had given them instructions to go prepare the way? Man, they're coming back. 
and they're coming back and they are all fired up. Because what he wants us to understand, first of all, is that when you don't respond to the message of Jesus Christ in your heart and life, when you don't obey, you miss out on the joy of seeing Christ work through you. Listen to what, what their reaction is when they come back. He, listen to what he says to it in verse number 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Have you ever been on a... Uh, on a mission trip, maybe you've been off to Mexico, maybe you've been somewhere up in the Delta, maybe you've been on a project down to Louisiana. There's just something of a, of a feeling, there's just something of a high to which you get to experience in a certain level of joy when you've actually allowed yourself to be used by God and that you have seen Christ work through you and there's just no greater joy. And you just think about the conditions that these people found themselves in. They went without an extra change of clothes. They went without food. They went without money. They went without a definite place to stay. And uh, they went as, as sheep among wolves. They went to places where they would be rejected. But yet they came back, man, and they were joyful. And they were all fired up because they got to experience Christ working through them. And every time we allow Christ to work through him or through us, every time we respond to his voice, we feel that sense of joy. It may be a, a time where God presses upon your heart to give money to somebody. It may be when God presses upon your heart to go call somebody. It may be when God presses on your heart to start a Bible study or go do something. And initially your thoughts are about how inconvenient it's going to be or about how hard it's going to be. But when you do it, man, you just feel that joy in your heart, even though it may have cost you money, even though it may cost you time, even though it may cost you to deal in an encounter with somebody that you really didn't want to. Your heart was filled with joy because it's what flows through us, that joy that flows through us when we allow ourselves to be used by God. And if you just insist on having life your own way, you'll miss out on that joy. And so he's saying to those people, those unrepentant cities, who rejected him because they wanted to hang on to their money. They wanted to hang upon their life. They wanted to hang on to their traditions. Say, look, it's your loss because you're going to miss out on the joy that comes when we allow God to use us. He said, next thing you're going to miss out. He said, you're going to miss out on being under Christ's care. You're going to miss out on being under Christ's care. Listen to what he's saying. He says, I saw Satan fall in the lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trend on scorpions, I mean to sit on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. When you enter into your relationship with Jesus Christ, you are putting yourself under the care and under the authority of of God. Now, a lot uh, under Christ, and a lot of us don't like being under care and don't like being under authority. You know, we like the benefits. You think about when you were a child or you think about your children. You love the fact that, that they provided for you. You like the fact that they bought nice things for you, and you liked all those benefits, but you didn't like them telling you what to do. And a lot of times, you would want to rebel 
And a lot of times you would want to walk away, but after you walk away, you realize, hey, if I walk away, then I got to start buying my own stuff. And that's when you start coming back. And so what he says for us is that as we put ourselves under the authority of Christ, we also get to put ourselves under his care. And when we're under his care and when we're under, as the scripture says, when we're under his wings, we get to experience certain things. And he tells us about these things that we get to experience this. Because when we are under Christ's wings, First of all, we get to experience and share in his victory. His victory over what? His victory over Satan. Listen, he says, look, I saw Satan fall down from heaven. And you know what? That's what the coming of Jesus Christ was. That's what the crucifixion of Jesus Christ brought. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ brought. It brought the shutting down, the bringing down of Satan from heaven. Why was he still up in heaven? Because he was up in heaven and he was accusing you and me. He was accusing Moses. He was accusing Abraham. And he was trying to make a rightful claim to them and say, look, they're sinners. They belong to me. They're still covered under their sin. They belong to me. And they made that claim about Abraham and Moses and all those people who followed God um, in the Old Testament and all those people that would come after it. But when Jesus Christ had died once and for all of our sins, Satan no longer had a reason to accuse us, so he got put out. So Satan is defeated, and death is defeated. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you get to share in that victory. Also, not only do we share in his victories, but we also share in his authority. In other words, we share in his power. He went out and he says, look, I'm going to give you authority. Now, notice we need to, we need to clear this up because he's like, look, you can hold you know, scorpions and snakes, and I don't want y'all coming in here with any type of animals. Y'all done digged out of the woods to show me how faithful you are. It was a specific thing to say that he gave them authority. And what we understand is that when we have, or when we are under the wings of Christ Jesus, since Christ has all authority, then we get to share in that authority. And so he gives us certain things. Now, he doesn't necessarily give all of us authority like he gave those 72. Maybe he's given us authority of of certain things. But we know and we understand that everything that Christ has called us to do, he will equip us to do because he has the authority and he can give us some of his authority to accomplish his will. But we also, under his wings, get to... uh, experience his provision because everywhere we, they went, they were provided for. And we know that in Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need. The verses that we read this morning in our call to worship from James, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. It comes down through Jesus Christ. And so everything that we need, everything that Jesus thinks that we need, Everything that we need comes as a gift from him. And we get to experience, we get to experience that. So we experience his authority, his power, and we get to experience um, his protection. 
as he watches over us. I have the assurance to know that regardless of what Satan, what plan Satan may have to me, I know or regardless of whatever plan or evil plot that you may have for me or anybody else may have for me, but I know that I'm going to be here as long as the Lord wants me to be here, and there's nothing you can do about it, so you're stuck with me until the Lord calls me home, so just deal with it, right? So it's good that we know that we are under his protection, and we're under his wings, and that should really give us joy in our life as we experience that in our heart. But you know what? Those people out here, those people out there, they're missing out. But then they're missing out on the joy of having their names written in heaven. What Jesus says, nevertheless, verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, of all the things that the Lord could give us while we're here upon this earth, we know that one day, you know, they'll be gone. And a lot of times we spend uh, the bulk of our time wanting God to bless us here upon this earth. You know, we want to give him life. And that takes up the, the bulk of the time of most people's preaching. That takes up the bulk of the time of the things that you hear from the preachers on TV about how the Lord's going to bless you with money, about how the Lord's going to bless you with friends, and about how the Lord's going to bless your business. And it's good, and I pray that he blesses you with all those things. But the greatest blessing, the greatest gift that the Christ has given to us is that through his resurrection, through his crucifixion, our names are written in heaven. You know, they kept pretty accurate records there, especially in the Old Testament times. And in the cities, there would always be the registry of who was a part of those cities, registered under those families. And it's good to know that we get to go to the books of Chronicles, and we get to go to the books of Numbers, and we get to spend our evenings reading all those names. But the names are important because those names were written as members of families and members as cities. And so what he's telling us, too, is that we rejoice that there's the city, the city that's going to come down, that new heaven and new earth, and it's got a registry about who's going to be there and who's not going to be there. And when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they write your name in for you to be a citizen of that city. And one day Jesus is coming back and he's going to step foot upon this earth and they're going to bring the books out. And they're going to bring that book, that book, that book of the names that are written to be in heaven. And I pray that everyone here, name is written on there. But it doesn't just give us the assurance of knowing that we have a future. But that assurance of having our names directs our life here upon this earth. Because what peace it is to know that our future is secure. You know, we take a lot of strides here, here to make sure that we have security here upon this earth. You know, a lot of times, you know, we talk about our retirement. You want to make sure that you're saved up so that uh, when you get tired of working and not able to work, there's money for you there. We want to make sure that we have all types of insurance. So if I get, I get sick and they, you know, hand me a $100,000 doctor bill that I can't pay, that that's going to be taken care of. And it's just, or something happens to your car, that's, some, that, that's going to be taken care of. 
and something happens to your house, that something's going to be able to take care of that. And those, those processes seem to bring you peace and knowing that regardless of what happened, those things are going to be taken care of. But what an even greater peace that knowing for me that whatever my life is upon this earth, regardless of how long it is or how short it is, my eternity is secure. And that gives me peace on life. And so whatever I face in life, I face it with joy because I know regardless of how things work out here upon this earth, my name is written in heaven. But it also affects the way that I, that I interact or how I treat or how I feel about this world. If my registry, if my citizenship is there in heaven, then it's not here. Then it's not here. This isn't truly where I belong. I'm just passing through. I'm just here for a momentary time. So I don't adopt the world's customs. I don't adopt the world's traditions. But I set my life and I live from where it is I am from. And where am I from? Where is my registry? It is there in heaven. The joy of knowing that our names are written there in heaven. They're missing out. Those people out there, they're missing out. We need to feel sorry for them. We don't need to desire to be like them, but we need to feel sorry for them because they don't have the assurance and the joy of knowing that their names are written down. But lastly, what are they missing out? They're missing out on knowing God. They're missing out on knowing God. Listen to what he tells us in verse number 21. It says, in the same hour, uh, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and says, I thank you, Father, Lord in heaven and on earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, such is your gracious will. He says, you know what? I'm grateful, Father, that on our own intellect, with our mind and with, with our senses, we can't come to the knowledge of God. The only way that we can truly know who God is and what he's all about is if the Lord reveals it to them. He says, you know what? I'm glad that you've hidden for them. You've hidden it from the wise. Because regardless of how we, uh, we seek with our minds, we have to realize that our minds are affected by our faults. Our minds are corrupt to sin. And so with our minds, we can't truly understand who God truly is. And with our senses and with our sciences, is all corrupt. And so we can't really truly, through those ways, can, can get to a knowledge of God because we're all fallen and we're all flawed. So we can't truly grasp who God is. But he says, I've hidden it from them. They can't see it. They think they're so smart. They think they're so powerful. But they can't get to the knowledge of me. But yet you, Father, Jesus says, have revealed it to little children. In other words, you've shown it to little children. In other words, the lowly. The people who say, you know what, I don't have the knowledge to figure this word out. So I'm going to trust what God has revealed to me. He said that's what they're missing out. And I think it's important for us to, to understand how he tells about how it is that we come to our knowledge of God. Listen to what he says 
in verse number 22. It says, all things have been handed over to me by the Father. In other words, Christ has been given all things here upon this earth. He is the one who rules over it. He is the one who is controlled over all of it. Everything belongs to Christ and has been handed over to him. And he goes on to say, um, and um, he said, and no one knows the son except for the father, or the father except for the son. In other words, no one knows who God is except for the son, and no one knows who the son is except for the father. But you say, wait a minute, how many people and most people would say that they actually believe in God. They believe in a deity. So how can we say that no one knows who God is? Well, it's one thing to know God, and it's another thing to know God. What is it saying here? We can believe that there is a God, but you know what? They really don't know who he is. That was the issue there in, um, in Exodus. And remember Exodus, you know, Moses walked around. All of a sudden, there's a bush on fire. And God, in that moment, reveals himself to Moses. He said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And God begins to show Moses who he is. And, God, and Moses asked God, well, what's your, what's your name? And he says, I am who I am. He's letting Moses know who he is, what his characters are, what his name is, what his attributes are. And they spend the whole time through that time in their exodus out of Egypt, their time in the wilderness, and even their time is establishing the country of God showing who he was, that he was a God that was slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, uh, forgiving the iniquities to a thousand generations, but yet, uh, but yet visiting sin to the third and fourth generation. He is a God who is jealous. He is a God who demands to be worshiped alone. He is a God who is not represented by anything of creation, but yet he is a personal God. And so they knew who God was. And the same thing is for Christ. Some people may believe in Jesus, but you know what? They really don't know him. They've really never experienced that personal relationship with him. So nobody under their own means and their own power can know who true, truly God is or who truly Jesus is. But listen to this. No one knows the Father except for the Son. No one knows except the Son, except for the Father, uh, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In other words, it's through our relationship of Jesus Christ that we truly come to know who God is. You think about those Pharisees. They, they knew the Bible from the front to the back, but you know what? Yet they missed Jesus. They were so close, but yet so far off. Why? Because they didn't know Jesus. He hadn't opened their eyes to make it click. You think about all those great philosophers that we encountered there in Greece. 
And they had all these ideas about God. But they really didn't know him. Why? Because the sun had not opened their eyes. It's important for us to understand that we cannot come to Jesus on our own, in our own will, in our own intellect. But it's yet when Jesus opens our eyes to the truthfulness of who he is and to the truthfulness of our sins, can we truly accept him? And that's why if Jesus is revealing himself, if he is impressing upon your heart, that's why it's imperative that you respond right away because you don't know if he'll ever open your eyes again. And so that's why the scripture says that we need to seek him while he was be found. Or it says there in, uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, citing from, uh, from, uh, from, uh, from Psalm, saying that, you know, if you feel the Lord calling to you now, you need to respond. Do not harden your heart. Because the coming to Jesus Christ is the work of his revealing himself to us and us responding to that call. And so many people, so many people are missing out. They're missing out on getting to see Christ work through them. They're missing out on experiencing the joy of his care. They're missing out of having their names written down. And they're missing out of knowing truly who God is. He ends with this. As the disciples return, he says this. He says, Blessed are the eyes to see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. He says, man, I want you to think about the opportunity that you have. He said, all those people, you think about all those people we read about in Hebrews 11, who gave everything they had to follow Christ and what they experienced, they never got to see it in its totality. They never got to see Jesus come and walk and establish the, uh, his kingdom here upon this earth. But yet they worked towards it. And he says, you know what? They long to see what it is that you get to see now. Why would you ever, ever reject it? Many would long to have the opportunities that we have here in this country, here in this community, here in this church, to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to be able to have these scriptures set before us in our hands, in our phones, on Facebook, all over the place. What a blessed time that we live in. But so many people, so many people are missing out on the opportunity. And I pray that is not you. I pray that you will respond and experience the joy that comes from knowing the Lord Christ and to have your name written down and to actually see the Lord work for, for you and to see him guide you and cover you under his wings and bring you through this life and into eternity. Let's pray. Hey, Father, we're so grateful for all that you've blessed us with. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we think about these blessings, we see the 
opportunity to which you've given us to respond to you and to be used by you. Lord, I pray that we do not neglect it, but yet we heed your call and we follow you and not miss out on the true blessings that come from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.